0: First of all, people hate spiders. So you can't call a hero Spider-Man. You want him to be a teenager? Teenagers can only be sidekicks, And you want him to have personal problems. Stan, don't you know what a superhero is? They don't have personal problems. Well, I left the office disappointed, but obviously a much wiser man. Just to get it out of my system, I put Spider-Man in Amazing Fantasy, featured him on the cover, Forgot about it. A month later, all the sales figures came in. My publisher came racing into my office. Stan, Stan, you remember that character we both loved so much, Spider-Man? Let's do him as a series. Now, why am I telling you this? If you have an idea that you genuinely think is good, don't let some idiot talk you out of it.
1: That was Stan Lee, the creator of Spider-Man and many other characters from the Marvel, speaking about how Spider-Man was created. Welcome to 13. 13 is a podcast about being and creating. In this podcast, we acknowledge the mundane and celebrate the everyday. Here, we interact, read, and share our experiences with an intent to be and to create. Your hosts for today are Prasanna and myself, Shandesh. Let's get started. As we hear this, Stanley kind of puts across that Spider-Man, in a sense, is like any other common teenager. And his publisher editor had told him that Spider-Man will never work because he's a teenager. He has personal problems and spiders creep out people. And regardless of all that, it somehow seems to come together because in his head, the idea was very clear. And he genuinely believed in it, like he said. There's a longer version of that video also, which comes with a discretion, which I'll put in the description where he further goes on to say that any idea that you think you genuinely believe is not necessarily also a great idea. And you really have to allow people to question and perhaps uh, uh, look at it and understand what really works and and how you really believe in it and so on and so forth. So coming to the topic of is Spider-Man a big loser? There is a Spider-Man in all of us, and we are trying to juggle too many things, but how do you kind of identify that one thing which really matters and around that, how revolve everything else to make it fall in place? That's part one. The part two of this discussion would be about how do you recognize which is the genuine idea and against all odds when people are questioning that idea, how do we then take it forward regardless of all the obstacles Seeming obstacles that come along the way. Let's
2: begin our conversation here. Yeah, Shanti. so first thing is when we look at the clip, uh, when the publisher first talks him out of the idea and then he comes back, Stan, stand. <laughs> do you remember the idea which we both loved together? I, that reminded me of a Bollywood scene where uh, the person says, Idea is very good. So then the other person says, Sir, Idea is <laughs> <laughs> so, some something like that the publisher does. So, coming back to the execution of any idea, by the way. So, whether the brilliance or stupidity of an idea is only detected after its execution. Of course, I take the disclaimer which you mentioned, which is to make sure that the impact, or typically in uh, business administration language, to say the impact analysis of any idea has to be done, so that there is no negative impact, which is all taken. sure but all said and done unless and until an idea is executed it is very difficult to call it a stupid idea or a brilliant idea so i think there are various and the reason i think is there are many other factors which come into play during the execution of idea like for example the element of luck the element of uh, location the element of happenstance so some Hmm. things which may work today uh, may not have worked 10 years ago Same way, some things which may work 10 years from now may not work today. So those things, I think, play a critical part. And the only way to do is iteratively keep in a small dose in a controlled environment, keep trying things and see what works, what doesn't work. Right, right. Now, when you talk about luck, happenstance
1: and location, it just reminds me of uh, Akshay Kothari, the CEO of Notion in one of the interviews speaking about the reason of him being in Silicon Valley allowed him to kind of open up and discover Notion for himself. Notion, by the way, is this online tool for work management and workflow organizing. Uh, And now they are considering and then he did not sell it off. But there is a grit and there is a determination and there is a belief behind that idea where many people approached him to buy off that idea. In fact, Microsoft is now ripping it off and creating Microsoft Loop, a version of its own, which is being under test now for almost a year. And regardless of that, he's aiming really high. And in that interview, he says that he's looking at creating another uh, something like what Microsoft has done over a period of time and to scale up to that level. So that grit and determination only perhaps time will tell. But but another example which comes to my mind is uh, like Spider-Man, whether uh, is, is going to work or not, only uh, getting the content out allowed him to figure that out. Uh, Google Chrome is one such example. So in around 2005, 6, I think, when Sundar Pichai was uh, pitching this idea for another internet browser, uh, internet was already flooded with uh, browsers uh, and, and somewhere, uh, the like in a corporate setup, the risk analysis, which they run through, they realized that it's absolutely not viable to do that. But with his little team of four or five people, he started building it secretly within the premise outside of his working hours and once it came to a certain shape then he pitched it to the Google founders and then they realized the true potential of it but not were still fully confident, fully convinced but since he has given so much of effort and time to this they rolled it out as a beta version and then slowly against only invitations it started going out to people and then it expanded and then Google Chrome took over so much that now even people including me on Mac and iPad have uh, Google Chrome instead of Safari browser because it makes things seamless and somehow no other browsers are able to crack that. Perhaps that took him uh, to, to become the head of Google now. So, so sometimes these ideas are there, but how do you then identify
2: and how do you, against all odds, believe and continue to work towards it? Yeah, I think one important aspect which has to be acknowledged here is that the execution of idea is in our control the results coming out of the implementation are not in our control most of the aspects of it are not in our control i think that is very important and only then we can keep iterating because most of the success stories what we do is we retrospectively see where they originated like microsoft getting started in a garage or uh, apple starting very small and then becoming what it became so all those stories are retrospectively seen there are hundreds and thousands of other people who started similar like for example notion as a note-taking app there are i am 100 sure there are more than 100 plus such apps, which are there for note-taking. Not everyone has been able to reach the level what Notion has, or maybe there are some quite two, three others, like Op- Obsidian and Rome and all those Rome things. So, right. So, there are these four or five which have been able to surface, but others have not. So, my point is idea and success has to be separated. Of course, sometimes it may result into success, but sometimes it may not. But that does not or should not stop one from trying an idea, and I think that's what in case of Spider-Man was also. So, it worked, but there was also a risk that it may, might not have worked. But So I think unless and until he tried that, he published it and saw the response of the readers, only then it was um, possible for one to gauge the mm. But apart from
1: that, that, I also feel that, of course, you have to uh, only think about your idea and work towards that idea. Whether the success comes or not is not guaranteed. I completely agree with that part. But there is the other side of it where you have this idea but unless you make this idea relatable with people, with your audience, it is never going to work out. Where if Spider-Man became relatable with the younger ones, that anybody amongst us can be a Spider-Man, it became an instant hit. And it changed the status quo of what a superhero was. Because before that it was Superman and uh, Green Lantern and all these superheroes. And suddenly the status quo changed because then they were not in that light, in that spirit. It's anybody, uh, a commoner coming out. Uh, And and same goes true with uh, Chrome because uh, the idea, because it was so intuitive and it was user-friendly, it took user into perspective and not the operationality like what Internet Explorer did, which was wonderful, but uh, it only took operationality. And until Chrome came, there wasn't really a great option other than that because everybody was then following that template. But when you understand your audience and you cater from that perspective without diluting your core belief, That is when I think there is the possibility of that becoming a
2: hit or reaching out and connecting with them becomes higher. I agree. And that's why I said the reason I was separating success from executing an idea is because many times we get attached to the success or we want some assurance that this thing will work. If you detach it, you will fail faster. You Mm. will do bigger mistakes. But still, you are learning something out of it. You are iterating and refining your approach, your thought process. And that helps you to come closer to success because That's otherwise it, it, yeah otherwise we end up into analysis paralysis kind of a thing where we keep on analyzing thing without trying it and then it just remains an idea
1: absolutely and also uh, when when you are making your idea relatable to public you cannot analyze your audience or uh, your public whom you are catering to if you try to analyze them on basic uh, basic parameters maybe intellectually you are getting it all right but it is most likely to fail if you have to really connect with them on a sort of an emotional and a personal level and it's something very beyond analysis it's it's rudimentary which we often miss on
2: yeah Uh, absolutely and if i am just trying to look at what might be the reasons which stop one from executing or trying those ideas most of the time it is the shame associated with its failure that if i try Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't work what will others say i think that is one of the biggest barrier and if you see all the success stories people have gone beyond that level of shame or guilt or whatever it is that they have executed and they tried and they have failed and some things have worked out of the various things they tried hmm, hmm.
1: Now, the, what you're saying is very important because uh, while venturing onto one of our uh, little ventures uh, all these sorts of questions came when i have a full time proper well paying job uh, good projects in hand why am i kind of moving on onto my own and obviously the answer was not for money but when i started jotting down uh, the reasons uh, why i'm moving on The second thing is what fears me or what scares me. And one of the points that I wrote down is failure and the shame associated with failure was much higher than the failure itself. And when you just write it down, it took away the air out of it. The weight was just gone and said, okay, so what? So people are going to say this and but but tomorrow I will at least not regret for never trying and then you jump in. But I think this is a very important aspect that you've raised that the association of failure is so high, and it's created right from our childhood, uh, in, the, in the sense that the way we are schooled, the way our exam systems are, and everything. And even if you score little less marks, the kind of pressure that comes not only from the teachers, but also parents and within the family, that you are kind of a total failure, despite the fact that you have probably scored 60%. And, and, and therefore, this notion needs to really alter. But more than outside, it needs to alter within. The association of failure needs to be loosened up a little bit.
2: Yeah. So if you see on one hand, the open market rewards the risk taker, the higher the risk, the more the reward. That's how the open market works. But at the same time, the societal norms, they incentivize the so-called society brownie points for the people who fit in, who fit into mm-hmm. the system, a person who takes a decent job, sticks to those nine to five job, make sure that he is not going off the lane kind of a person. So. That's the kind of dichotomy which I can see, or I don't know what is the right word, or a par- uh, irony. I don't know. But the thing is, on one side, people are rewarded for staying in line, but at the same time, people who get hugely rewarded are the ones who are risk takers. Whether it is G. Jobs mm-hmm. or whether it is Bill Gates or uh, Sundar Pichai, as you said, in case of Pro.
1: People are rewarded, like you said, uh, for for following a certain template. But the answer perhaps lies outside of those templates. And while we follow that template, we have to take a step and slowly see stepping outside the template and what it has to offer. Now, I'm not saying that you take a blind risk, but if you are sure of that idea working out and making a difference, not only to you, but to a larger audience, then it's perhaps time to jot down all your fears and see what is outside the template, a conversation on what is outside the template could perhaps be another topic and something else which we can discuss upon and elaborate on. But for now, let's look what is outside the template. And does then Spider-Man remain a big loser is the question that we need to look at. At that note, we complete our today's conversation. Thank you so much for listening.